We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now. Oh boy. Holy mechanical armies. Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs> you wanted to be one word. What is the other word? One of these days. Are we having fun yet? It's gonna be legend. Wait for it. Now, you might very well think that, but of course I couldn't possibly comment. Bertie Helens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening. Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound On Sight's TV podcast. This is Kate Kalsik and I'm joined by Simon Howell. Simon, episode 100. Oh my goodness. We we actually care more about the anniversaries at the Televerse. That's when we do our, you know, special episode and everything. But there's something about, uh, it's just such a pretty round number. It is very pretty. It's a very pretty number. Yeah. I can't believe you put up with me this long. It was just crazy. Yeah. Well, what can I say? What am I going to do? Talk to normies? Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. That would just, yeah. None of that. <laughs> Well, uh, we we did get several wonderful messages from you guys. We actually didn't get any new iTunes ratings or reviews, but we got something so much cooler. Carl. Oh, Carl. Carl, our (laughs) new favorite listener, Carl. Uh, Carl made us a a Podcastopoly board. So we're talking like Monopoly style, but Televerse themed. I was trying to decide my favorite. I really liked the, um, the penalty square of Make Kate Watch and Under the Dome Marathon. Uh, as well as instead of jail, you were waiting in line at Comic-Con, which I thought was very creative. Did you have any, any favorites? I was just blown away by the fact that it's now a thing that exists. Yeah, it looks really good. Well, because Carl is a, is a, a visual designer, I think. He's, he's an artistic type, and it, that clearly comes across. It, it, it looks really good. Yeah, I just I, I never think of... of... My presence online as being something that people re- will respond to or or care about <laughs> or care. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, yeah. oh, whatever. I'm just doing a thing. And so yeah, any 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 response like that always just blows my freaking mind. Yeah. So that that made our week, Carl. Thank you very much. And uh, let's see. We also heard from a bunch of people about a bunch of topics. Talked briefly with Shannon, Randy, Kyle, so Chris, and Mo Ryan with Strike Back and Banshee. Sort of a compare contrast. I know we've talked about Banshee in the past. You're interested in, in watching some of that. Are you interested in Strike Back as well, or is it sort of yeah, either definitely. or? Yeah, I, I'm interested in watching both. Like they, they seem to be pretty straight up genre fare, which I'm always up for if it's well executed. They seem fun and. Just like I said last week, talking about Comic Con, that that Strike Back panel, they seemed crazy. The writers and the the cast, like what they what a day on the job is for them, seems just insane. So I'm sure I'm sure that would be fun to check out. Uh, let's see, Beth, thank you very much for the heads up about Nine for Nine replaying on ESPN two. Somehow that hadn't occurred to me, but thanks to your heads up, I've now seen Venus Versus. I've caught up with that one, and I've been able to make sure that I can actually stay caught up with 9 for 9. Because, of course, it's not anywhere online. Come on, ESPN. Come on. Yeah, that's no good. Anyways, uh, we also heard from Keith, who predicts I will enjoy the dialogue on Suits. And you'll have to see what I think later in the show. Of course, Suits did win the Make Kate Watch Stuff poll. He also wants to know about Greek, which I have not seen. I'm curious if you have. And he is watching My Boys at the at the moment. And uh, I, I, I enjoy that. I, we, we've been kind of going back and forth with our, our 
our enjoyment of Jordana Spiro, who's just like the most adorable lead ever on My Boys. Uh, I I know you've got a soft spot for that one, and I've never seen Greek, so I I have no input on that score. Keith also wanted to know: Can he just jump in on Battlestar with the series, or does he need to watch the miniseries ahead of time? I think he can just jump in with Thirty Three. What do you think? I think that's correct. I mean, the the intro tells you everything you need to know, and frankly, the miniseries isn't that good. <laughs> I like it, but I know that that seems to be somewhat of a. a unpopular opinion at this point so maybe it's a good thing that i haven't seen it in a while but uh but yeah i think you're good Keith. so jump on in let's see her from vicolo and i'm probably pronouncing that wrong yeah we were we were bonding over Mackenzie being great on so you think you can dance and yet somehow constantly being in the bottom six don't know what that's about zach why did you show me that picture of a violinist with her violin painted to look like a globe it's been torturing me all week why would you do that to a, why would as a violinist why would you ever do that to your poor poor violin it's not it wasn't an electric violin either it was an acoustic regular regular violin that that she took and put paint on and destroyed the sound of uh kate Whoa, smash I, I guess i'm canceling next year's birthday present yeah 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 don't no, no personalized paint jobs <laughs> on a fucking violin <laughs> Anyways, I'm sure he enjoyed doing that to me, uh, just visually, you know. Apparently, she's a rock star, so she can do that. Um, Steph is going to give Venture Brothers another shot, and she's enjoying Wilfred, so I'm glad to hear that, Steph. Ken had some suggestions about the Hall H line craziness and wished us congratulations on our 100 episodes. Thank you very much. Tim wants to know if we're going to do separate Breaking Bad episodes like we do for Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, and he hopes that we will. No, we're not, but... There's going to be a lot of discussion. I'm also, if if it, it's sort of like separate episodes, I'll be writing the reviews. So mm-hmm. that's that's sort of like separate episodes of a podcast, except it's way less work for all concerned. Well, yeah, the trouble that we run into is, uh, of course, w- when it airs is difficult for our schedules for being able to record. We like to get those episodes up. That by the next day, and that's not necessarily feasible. And then also, uh, we're going to be... I would be very surprised if we did not spotlight and therefore kind of do a separate episode, uh, at least that kind of discussion, about Breaking Bad at least once or twice in this season. And we have a Breaking Bad segment, a Breaking Bad sort of themed segment at the end of the show today. And we will, of course, have a DVD shelf for Breaking Bad at the very end of this season, kind of wrapping up the second half of season five and then taking a look back at the entire show. So there will be plenty of Breaking Bad coverage here at the Televerse. Lots. Yeah. Plus, if we did, if if it got broken off into a separate podcast, we wouldn't get to talk about it enough. And I'm not. Yeah. This time of year, there's not quite as much of a bounty. Mostly we're greedy. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> and Caroline, uh, I just want to mention she was Catharsis Cry watching Doctor Who, and uh, and and that's just that that just sounds fun to me because there are times when you just need to cry, and you know there are certain staples. Obviously, for me, the body from Buffy. I would say probably for you, the sun, Friday Night Lights, uh, Jurassic Bark, uh, from Futurama. And uh, Doctor Who, there are many, many fantastic choices. So that uh, that that does sound like I think I need to rewatch some of those earlier seasons of New Who and kind of get emotionally invested in the show again. Did you hear the latest rumor uh, about Peter Capaldi? I'm only going to support Peter Capaldi if he's allowed to use violent sexual imagery. Oh God! Um, or 
you know, just any, any, honestly, just import his thick of it character to, oh to being God. Doctor Who. To be I would totally doctor. watch that forever. <laughs> that would be terrible. But it wouldn't be written by Armando Iannucci. It'd be written by Stephen Moffat. Uh, yeah, it's all right. I, I can live, I can live with the, uh, with the compromise. I mean, I, I feel like he can bring his Malcolm Tuckerness pretty much on his own. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Oh, man, that just reminded me. I was going to have you watch... Oh man, I was all decided on what I was going to have you watch for our second anniversary make you watch a thon, and then you remind me that you haven't seen Children of Earth. No, I haven't. Ugh. Now I have to reponder. Okay, I was all set on, on number one ladies detective agency, but we'll see. Um, at soundonsite.org, of course, we are one of the TV podcasts over there. There are several things going on. I put up my Comic-Con write-ups for each of the days, um, as well as a, a article discussing some of the things that we can look forward to in season three of Grimm. I was in on the press room for that, so I have quotes from several members of the cast as well as the producers about what you can expect for next year, so you can check that out. I'm currently working on a piece uh, about composition in television with uh the some composers i had a chance to talk to at comic-con so again um sort of interviews with them and the the audio quality in the, those press room recordings are terrible so, so instead they've been transcribed so i'll be you know you can look forward to that at sound on site and I, I think there's there's nothing else happening at sound on site is there simon right now uh no nothing except you know we're covering the biggest most ridiculous most long most taxing uh most awesome genre film festival as far as i know known to man or any other species in the universe it's called fantasia happens in montreal every year uh it's now bloomed out to like three and a half weeks long which it's and this is not like a general sort of culture festival it's a film festival they're showing hundreds of movies we've got uh lots and lots of reviews up already uh mostly thanks to edgar shepherd who's just been working overtime so props to him i should have some reviews going up as well it's uh gonna be interesting lots of and they're they're closing with the world's end which i'm very very jealous that i won't be able to attend oh yeah so so jealous you're just gonna be able to go to tiff and see gravity jealous yeah yeah it's just it's a little Humble brag. <laughs> um, well, at the end of the show today, we are premiering a new segment called Expert Witness. And uh, this was one that sort of got concocted over uh, some span of time. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Uh, would you like to fill the listeners in? Uh, well, you concocted it. All I did was name it. Basically, we <laughs> just we bring in uh, an, uh, an expert on one topic or another to discuss uh, either a specific show or a series of shows that pertains to their particular area of expertise and sort of how they feel it's being represented, uh, whether that's poorly or well, I guess will vary depending on their opinion and the subject matter being discussed. So this week we're starting off with uh, a, a fellow who goes by, who has a nom de guerre, it's Mendeleev. His area of expertise is chemistry, so of course we will be discussing Breaking Bad, uh, as well as a couple other shows. It was pretty fun. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, it was it was fun, but uh, we'll see, we'll see. Let us know. Give us your feedback if you'd like to hear more in this in this uh, series, I guess, of segments. But that'll be at the end of the show. First, let's get to our surprisingly full week in television. So let's let's kick things off with the comedies. Now I have two pieces of news. I have good news. I have bad news. And the first is this hospital has got termites. What's the bad news? That was the bad news. Not to me. Not by a long shot. Let's just keep in mind that termites are just doing their thing. 
trying to make it on this big old ball of dirt like everybody else. We're going to have to evacuate the hospital for 14 weeks while they fill it with termite poison. But I have secured us a lucrative contract with the U.S. Defense Department, and we are going to oversee the opening of a brand new clinic on a U.S. Army base in Japan. No. We're not joining the army. We are private contractors. I think I'll stay here with the termites, thank you. You can't stay here with the termites. They're going to fill the hospital with poison. I don't have a problem with termite poison. Let's keep in mind that termite poison is just doing its thing, trying to make it on this crazy ball of dirt just like everybody else. Just beyond the plane. <sighs> Too bad Blake is missing this. He loved termite poison. I meant Japan. Blake hated Brazil. Which, of course, as we all know, is where this hospital is. This week in comedy, we have the premiere of Web Therapy, Relax, Reboot, Revenge. We have the premiere of Children's Hospital, A New Hope. Then we have NTSFSDSUV and their premiere, Comic Con Air. Wilfred had Intuition, and of course, there was another episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway this week with Candace Akala from, of course, the, the Vampire Diaries. So, shall we kick things off with the premieres? How about Web Therapy? Sure. Uh, so this is actually the third season premiere, and the cast on this show is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, past seasons have included, oh uh, god, Victor Garber, mm-hmm. and uh, Rashida Jones was in there. Other people I'm, I'm surely forgetting about. Here, uh, we've got Steve Carell in his first post-office role, and uh, Megan Mullally, who is everywhere all the time, so that's not surprising. And I have to say, I, I actually really dug this. First of all, I get a kick out of watching a, a show where Skype is the basic format because it's also the format of, of the podcast. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I, I get like a weird meta kick out of it. And uh, it's nice to see Lisa Kudrow again. I haven't seen her in, in anything in a really, really long time. And I think that her, I, my, my, what, I think my favorite thing about the show is because you're often getting both perspectives. I, I just, I so just enjoy watching her mostly silent reactions to the terrible things that people say to her. I I could just ride that out for pretty much an entire show. Yeah, and the parts of this that work best for me are those reactions and can continue always having the like the camera in camera or whatever being able to constantly see both people I think is just a wonderful decision and and works really well. But I wasn't laughing for this, this is I. This is not a Kate show. I don't think <laughs> the show is very highly improvised, as I understand it, and and that comes uh, comes through in a way that uh, I feel like there's an over reliance in a lot of American comedy on improvisation. There's this notion that if something's improved, it has to be funny. When in the reality, that is just that's so far so far from the truth. Usually, improv is very hit and miss. Um, especially just, you know, a longer form sort of situation. And we'll talk a little bit more improv when we get to Who's Line, but the um, many of the sketches didn't really work for, for me this week, though Alan Cumming is just always delightful. But again, each of these different segments, I felt like went on way too long. They were too self-indulgent. The Steve Carell segment at the top, I was just I just kept waiting for it to be over. And these are all very funny people who I very much enjoy. And I, it's great, like you say, to see Lisa Kudrow on my TV again. I just don't know that I want to see her in this form, and especially with that voice. Are we sure that's not just her voice? Because yes. I've only seen her in a... Okay, we're sure? Okay, good. Yes. Um, that, that is a choice. 
That is a choice. It is, it is a very obnoxious voice. It, it took me about half the episode to sort of get behind it. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure what, cause I, you know, the, I assume that I'm guessing that the format of the show is kind of like in treatment where we're going to see her reunite with these people every week and sort of follow, sort of continue a, a, a loose plot. Well, not in the case of treatment, but loose here. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I'm curious to see how that shapes up with multiple episodes. But I mean, I'm going to keep watching it because I actually did laugh a lot and found it quite funny. But, you know, humor is subjective. So. <laughs> Speaking of uh, humor is subjective, I saw the premiere for Children's Hospital and NTSF at Comic-Con. I saw both of them and I loved them. I thought they were hilarious. Really like the direction each of them uh, well, the direction Children's Hospital seems to be taking this year, and then also just, I'm very excited about the introduction of Karen Gillan onto NTSF. So there was just a lot for me to really enjoy about these two premieres on Thursday. Do you have, uh, are you on the same wavelength, or are we going to have a, sort of a split here? Uh, no, I, I I really especially dug the NTSF premiere, which had bonus representatives of at least three prestige dramas. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like, oh, there's Natasha Leone, there's Abigail Spencer from Rectify, there's... Uh, and there's and Chasing else, Maverick, too. She was in Chasing and, Maverick. And Chasing Mavericks, yes. <laughs> and uh, and Matt Jones was there. <laughs> yeah, just so, so many, so many people. Uh, and uh, and what I like about, what I liked about this particular episode of NTSF is that it was really funny, and also I thought it actually worked as sort of like a mini action movie, like the... Yeah. The fight scene was actually pretty well executed, and Paul Shear is just clearly so into this stuff. And uh, and yeah, Karen Gillan's been a, is a fantastic addition. I just I loved the whole fight over the button. It was just <laughs> it was too good. And and the, the little button at the end was you know the hardest thing is always knowing how to end something. Endings are really notoriously difficult for for sketches, um, which is often what this feels like. And so and that having that perfect little tag. With with, uh, with Kate Mulgrew's character Cove at the end was great. Yes, and uh, I just wanted to. I guess Children's was good, not top shelf, not like top shelf Children's, but but pretty solid. Uh, I'm I'm wondering is Melon Ackerman just gone? Is she, I, I assume because she's she seems pretty busy now. No, I think just the cast will sort of go back and forth over the course of the season. I think that's a budget related issue as they've expanded the the cast. So. Uh, even though, for example, Malin Ackerman and Meg Mullally are not in this episode, uh, Aaron Hayes isn't in. Is she in this episode? She might be. No, I don't think so. Their their other characters aren't really in this episode. That doesn't mean that they won't be in the season. That just means they're not in this one, and we should expect to see them later on over the year. Are you? I'm excited about this uh, this move to Japan instead of Brazil, which is of course where the rest of the series. Is that? Do we know? Are they sticking to Japan? They're sticking to Japan. Oh, there was this oh, great wow. question at Comic Con. The first question, guy, the guy came and said, the 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 guy came up and and said, I really like this premiere. Are you gonna stay in Japan all season? <laughs> and that which prompted, well, uh, do you think maybe we wouldn't like the way you phrased that question? Are you sure? Maybe we wouldn't appreciate. You said you liked it. You know, it was hilarious. But yes, apparently the entire season will be set um, in this this uh, military base with them as independent contractors in Japan. Does that mean Keegan M. Key is going to be there for the whole time too? No, that, no, he's not. Which is why we'll probably never see him again. Again, right? Yes. Which was yes. I 
I need him on my TV as much as possible, which is good because he popped up at least twice this week. Yeah, it was a, it was a good week for him uh, on on TV. Anything to say about Wilfred, or shall we jump onto Who's Line? Uh, I know you didn't catch Wilfred this week. Wilfred was especially strange this week, not in the surreal sense uh, that Wilfred is often strange, but just in a structural pacing sense. I mean, we finally got the appearance of Ryan's dad, who shows up just out of the blue at the very start of the episode in a dream sequence, and then in another dream sequence, and then in what you think is a dream sequence, but isn't a dream sequence. And the, I, I did really like the end of the episode, which was uh, abrupt and a little and jarring in all the right ways. Before that, not a whole lot of laughs, not the most compelling episode, but it does. Uh, I'm curious about where it goes from here. And it, it's nice to see them actually taking some chances finally, which a lot of the season has felt a little bit too cozy and safe. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. And I'll make sure that I catch up with it. Um, as for whose line, Candace Akala was ridiculously game. And uh, and having uh, I think Keegan Michael Key was great on the show. Yeah, he, they were they were both great. Uh, serious props to Candace Akala for their dance moves. <laughs> I, I, although, I, like I I wonder how many times they're going to be able to get laughs out of uh, we've invited a uh, a, a, a pr- like a, a much younger pretty lady to come on the show, and now one of us is going to lie on top of her for a while because that's happened both times. Yeah, I'm really hoping... Yeah, it's funny uh, for a little bit. And then then, then the, oh, look, sexual harassment is hilarious, gets old eventually. So hopefully they will get some new ideas. I do enjoy, though, in that in each of the ones I've seen, they, they go out of their way to figure out how can we bring in a celebrity in a way that they don't have to talk. Yeah, or do, like, really do much of anything so that yes. this really can't go off the rails too badly. Because improv is hard. Yes, improv is definitely hard. I've, I've, I've really been enjoying Whose Line. It just got picked up for another season by the CW. So it, and apparently it's huge online. It gets huge, you know, Twitter and, and uh, huge page hits and everything. So the, the fans out there really love it. So um, I don't know how strong or how big that base is, but it's enough to at least get us another season. And I'm very glad to have these guys back on my tv I, I wonder if this is going to help the cw maybe eventually not be quite so ridiculously pretty young people oriented it would <laughs> be it, nice it, i mean obviously they've found ways to squeeze that into this show but mm-hmm. uh you know I, I i wonder if this will make them realize huh maybe we don't need the jawlines all the time all the time i remember there's this great article and i was looking for it for a recent piece i was doing and i couldn't couldn't find it again but there's this great article that looked at the stars of the CW and did like a facial analysis. Yeah, it was in Wired, right? I yeah, and there so. were like three types that they cast and every person on every show could be fit into one of these three distinct facial types. It was it was and it, then their character was chosen depending on which type they fit. In. It was very interesting. So yeah, that would be that would be a wonderful side benefit to to who's line coming back strong. And so which show wins the week in TV for you? For comedies, oh, I did like the web therapy premiere. Uh, I'm going to have to give it to NTSF, though, because that was just for density of laughs and per minute. I think that was the easy winner. Yeah, and the bottle to the eye, and it's it's Mr. Fantastic. Oh, and Summer Glau. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, come on. And Joe Latrulio, I thought was great. No, I mean, just the whole, it was a ridiculously deep bench. On, uh, and, and NTSF this week, as well as just having that fun little extra drama back at the base. So, yeah, NTSF wins the week in TV. I'm so glad to have those guys back 
on a weekly basis. But let's take a break and come back and talk reality. Well, in this game, I'm going to have to ask you all to be brief, all right? Our three celebrities will be giving one-word clues to get their team captains to identify a person, place, or a thing. Team Coco, you're going to play this one first. We'll go down the line, one word at a time. No consulting, no repeating clues. Your captain only gets one guess. If she's right, you get one point. If she's wrong, you move on to the next question. Come here, Coco. Everybody stand up. Act like you care. Okay, remember, clue givers, one word at a time. Let's put 90 seconds on the clock and go. Oh, um, city. Sin. Las Vegas. Yes! Horn. Animal. Horse. Mystical. Unicorn. Excellent. Good, good, good. Treat. <laughs> Snap. Crackle. Pop. Rice Krispie. Yeah. Okay. Very good, very good. This week in reality, we have So You Think You Can Dance, the top 16. We have Top Chef Masters, which premiered. We have Hollywood Game Night, which I believe we watched Saturday Night Reunion, which is their third episode. We have the Writer's Room premiere on Sundance with the Breaking Bad Writer's Room. Let's let's start with So You Think You Can Dance. What stood out this week? Uh, as per usual, I mean, I think Jasmine and Aaron are going to be the ones to beat, although... Uh, I'm going to have a really hard time imagining America voting out Melise just because, yeah. you know, like she's just, she's clearly, I think out of everyone, she's got the most defined personality and is, is, is the one who stands out the most as an, as maybe as an individual. I don't feel like I know anything about her. I don't feel like she has any personality at all. She just, it looks adorable. Uh, I, I don't think that's true. I, I think that, you know, if you think about, you know, where like they, they've had a whole arc for her from, you know, getting dropped on her head and. And, you know, and having a having a partner switch. Tell me anything about her personality. I can't think uh, she, of a single descriptor. Uh, she's spunky. I think she, I think more importantly than having a defined personality, I think she's relatively good at sort of absorbing styles. And like, I don't think she's been outstanding at any one style, but I think she's been pretty good in all of them, which is a, something that hasn't happened like for all for all these dancers, like some of them have trouble getting getting their swag on, for instance, which hasn't really been an issue for her. Although clearly she's not going to match up with Mariah, who is gone. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think she's she's an all rounder, which I think is is good. And I think that, uh, l- like you said, she's just too adorable. I think for for them to vote out right away. Yeah, I think they or anytime soon. The the coaches seem to have, or the judges seem to have decided she's going to be she's going to make it really far. Sort of like they have with Alexis, and it's time. It's time to go. Uh, Alexis and Curtis, both of them. But, um, yeah, I I thought she didn't have swag at all in hers. I thought she was fine, but she wasn't nearly low enough. It felt felt like somebody trying to do hip-hop, and she had the move, but she didn't have the personality. And so that's why when the judges raved over her performance, I was very... Like, I saw a different performance than they did, clearly. I'm sure maybe it's, like, in person or I don't know if maybe just the music was not, like, loud enough for me or something. I don't know. But I that her performance this week didn't necessarily do anything for me. She was better than her partner. But, you know, that, that I guess that wasn't enough for me. The one that I've consistently – obviously, I'm a big fan of Jasmine and Aaron as well. They're one of my definitely – definite to go – to watch couples. I also really like – uh, if I had to pick my top three guys right now, it would be Aaron, it would be Alan, and it would be P- 
Paul because I really like Mackenzie and Paul. I think they dance really well together. No Nico? No, 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 no Nico because I haven't seen anything particularly, you know, impressive from him yet. And maybe that's because Alexis is holding him back. But I, I think he's talented, but I haven't seen a story. I haven't seen an emotion really grab me from him. The One of the numbers I really liked this week, though, was the was actually the Tucker and Jenna number with the straps. Yeah, that was all right. I'm not really a huge fan of the proppy ones. Uh, you know, okay. With, 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 with that like ladder, ladder thing also this week. Yes. Uh, like, every time they do that, I always think, like, if you're going to bring out a huge freaking ladder, I want to see something amazeballs. And <laughs> eh, it was just kind of some dancing on a ladder. Which, okay. Yeah, that, like, I don't know. Like, they really need to, like, I think the best, still the best proppy one we got so far was the blindfolded dance from, I think, the yeah. first or second week. Like, that was amazing. Yeah. And we haven't seen anything on that level. And but by extension, I none, nothing this week really stood out in my mind. Like, I'm trying to think back to individual routines besides details like that. And maybe because they're, they didn't go, it wasn't a story week at all. Mm-hmm. I, I like when the choreography has a loose theme from piece to piece which didn't was wasn't happening this week it felt much more scattershot so i don't know in terms of memorable outings this i didn't think this was one of them really well i thought the quick step again we've already been praising them but but jasmine and aaron's quick step i thought was really great and they made it look easy and they 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 carried personality throughout their dance whereas earlier i think there was a jive Right? That just felt very much through the numbers. It felt slow. It felt like they were stopping and then twirling and then... Um, and, and so I don't know, I feel maybe it's just a combination of like who the partner partnering is for the, the couples that aren't quite working for me. Maybe that's the issue, but I feel like I'm, I'm ready to get to like, I'd rather kind of eliminate more people and have more time with my favorites than sort of what, you know, 16 to 14 to 12. So I'm like, I'm ready to be at the top 10 right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, let's see. We also had top chef masters now with more gimmicks. Uh, okay, did you have a watch handy? How long did it take us to get to actual cooking? Well, because you mentioned it, I was watching for it. And yeah, you're right. It took way too long. It was over. You said like I'm 15 minutes in and there hasn't been any cooking yet. That sounds about right. Yeah, at least a third of the episode. Yeah, which you get you get like a couple shots of cooking, but like, but if you want to watch it, you have to go to, to what to their website. Yeah, which is also not a good website for streaming, by the way. It's very it's a difficult website. Yeah, so not the greatest start, although which is too bad because I really really like the cast. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what I like about Top Chef Masters is just that it's it's generally pretty drama free. Although they did manage to get this uh, in this first week, uh, a classic Pride Before a Fall moment, which they love to do mm-hmm. in their first episodes and usually happens more on Top Chef regular edition. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, we need to. It's too bad because this past season of Top Chef was just so much like we're going to strip away all this junk and just cook. And now I know that they feel like they have to drum up drama and you know mix it up because they've got, you know, obviously a more competent bench. But. Yeah, it, that aspect is not working for me. I'm hoping it's not indicative of what the whole season's going to be like. Well, I don't want to watch Top Chef and three Top Chefs who have to use kitchen utensils, not because of anything they did, but because of their sous chef right, did something. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not... It's so, It's such a huge... It's not like this is a little thing. It's immunity, or this week you have a kitchen... You have a butter knife to prepare your food with. That's... 
that is a huge disparity. That is way too much of an impact for me to have to go online to watch. And yeah. I'm not gonna, because I'm kind of pissed off that they're demanding that I do this. Well, and it didn't have, like, the whole kitchen utensil thing didn't have any meaningful impact on the food preparation it was it, it was it just made things annoying from what i can tell like yeah when they, when, by, the, by the time the food got out there the the judges were like well this kind of looks like crap but they had to cut it with utensils so oh well yeah whereas in the original top chef with when they're doing top chef kitchen which is also annoying that i have to watch it online it the only time it affects this everything else that's going on is at the very end. And because you care about the characters, the care about the people you want to w- watch. I don't care about any of these sous chefs. I don't care about really any of these chefs. So it's nice to see Voltaggio again. Um, I, you know, I like them, but I don't have any emotional investment. So instead they're sort of demanding that I watch it. If I want to have any sense of what's going on with the actual competition and I, I the palate rebels. Yeah. Well, it also seems silly to bring in the sous chefs and then divorce them from the chefs. Exactly. Because to me, that you're stripping away, like, when you get those early scenes of the sous and the chefs together talking, like, those are great. They have rapport. They've known each other for years in most cases, or, or, you know, a really, really long time in others. You know, if you're... If you're going to bring on the Sus, you should have them with the chefs on screen as much as possible because yeah. that's going to make for more compelling TV. Well, and then you can have this team camaraderie notions like it's the two of us against everybody else. And that that's that's interesting, but that's not what they're showing us. And th- I'm sorry, skydiving. Yes, yeah, skydiving is really cool. And um, and I would love to at some day just because I'm terrified of heights and maybe that would help. But um, and, and watching them struggle with that was really interesting. But. It took way too much time. We're watching this. It's called Top Chef, not Top Deals with Adrenaline. Yeah, it's not Fear Factor, people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, hopefully, this is just kind of a, a an opening misstep. You know, it's something to... Well, obviously, they're not going to be taking as long to cook in future episodes because they don't have to get all this sue business out of the way. But, hopefully, things improve. Yeah, I'm ready to not watch this season because there's too much other good stuff on and there's too much other good reality on. And on, on that note, I want to transition to Hollywood game night, which I checked out this week because I had heard various buzz. And also frankly, cause I had screeners so I could watch a couple of them pretty easily. I actually, I really like this game show. I'm such a game par- party game geek. Anyways. I, I love that stuff. So it's really, it's in my wheelhouse, but I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah, it is fun. It's I kind of wish it wasn't a limited run thing. It feels like it's got legs. Definitely. I mean, uh, it's it's obviously tricky to get this many celebrities in a room mm-hmm. on a on a weekly basis. But I mean, if you're gonna get them drunk and get them playing games, I can't imagine that many people are gonna refuse the invitation. Especially get them drunk, get them playing games, get them winning money for charity. I mean, it's a win win for everyone. Yeah. Except that it's expensive. Well, yes, but also I, I just it. Some of the, I, when I was watching the the first episode, um, the Saturday Night Reunion, which had you know Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph and Jason Sudeikis and a bunch of other people as well, um, Fred Armisen, Dax Shepard, and and of course Sean Hayes, who is one of the creators of the show. And this is the show was based on the game nights he and his his. I think their married husband have at their house. And so, th- and that's where they got the idea. They're like, Hey, why don't this is a show? Why don't we make this a show? Um, and I'm actually very interested in Sean Hayes, the Sean P Hayes, the uh, producer. Cause he of course also c- co-created Grimm, which is a show I'm, I'm 
it it may not be my favorite show out there, but it's it's very intelligently made and uh, I think very admirably uh, centered and focused show. I love that its depiction its priorities with depictions of women with uh, with being fr- family friendly while also still good <laughs> in a way that other shows maybe aren't. Um, so I, so having that and this come from him and then also his new show in the fall, which I actually liked, um, which may be somewhat of a rarity. We'll talk about that more in the fall. I th- I'm actually very interested in Sean Hayes, the producer. Um, yeah, I agree. It would be nice to have this be sort of like the new Hollywood squares. I like that it's an hour long, by the way. I think that was really smart. Yeah, when I saw it, I was like, really? And then I watched it. I was like, yeah, there's no way you would get this done effectively in half an hour. There's just it's. That it would just be way too rushed. It would be way too rushed, and I like I like the creativity of the different games in the episode that we both watched. They identify candy bars. Um, the the face fusion thing was was entertaining, and Sudeikis very good. Holy at that. crap! Sudeikis just very good in general. Like he only started to crap out when it was clear he was getting very drunk. Yeah, I'm on Team Sudeikis. That's what uh, you know. I learned from that. Uh, also, the one episode that'll be airing next week, I'm on Team Anthony Anderson. And y'all need to get better at your song identification. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, but but no, I, I think uh, yeah, I was having trouble with some of the 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 jokes written for um, J- uh, Jane Lynch at the top. They felt just painfully hacky and not really very interesting but as they actually got into the game show format i thought it really worked um yeah it all comes down though to which celebrities are good at this i think you need a certain intensity right yeah well and it's fine to i think it's fine to bring on one or two people per team who aren't that great Mm -hmm. because then that that adds a dynamic too where people are like come on and yeah you know getting stifled like that that makes for good watching too. If everyone's a pro, then it's like if, if everyone was the sharpest Sudeikis, that it would have been ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there wouldn't be enough time, right? But uh, but no, I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see. I, I haven't heard how the ratings have been, but if you like game shows, if you like party games, check it out. It's creative. It's fun. It it. I think the test for a show like this is: does it get you screaming at your television? And it got me screaming at my television. Totally. Yeah. Let's move on to our final show uh, this week for Reality, The Writer's Room, which is hosted by Jim Rash and apparently co-produced by Entertainment Weekly. In each of their, I believe, six episodes in this first season, they're going to bring in the writer's room of a popular and or critically acclaimed show and talk with them about their process and you know various inside details about the creation and the production of their show. This week, it was Breaking Bad. Right. And I think it's a good idea, although actually, much like uh, Hollywood Game Night, I feel like this could have been an hour long and mm-hmm. maybe should have been. It feels like, you know, 22 minutes to get to the heart of how Breaking Bad gets made just seems too short. And I mean, and there's, if you ever listen to any of the Breaking Bad podcasts, like the the official ones that they release after every episode, you know, you know that they they can go into serious detail and I feel like this really only scratched the surface. As fun as it was to watch and as nice as it was to put faces to the names you see in the credits every week. Yeah, and I always enjoy listening to the writers on my favorite shows talk about their their experience on the show, about breaking stories about the experience in the room. All of that I think is really interesting. And, you know, when I go to something like Comic-Con, I care way more about meeting the writers usually than I do about meeting the actors or the celebrities. 
because for me, they're the ones who create the characters. They're the ones who have the, the most challenging and interesting maybe step in the process. But, um, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree. This was too surfacy for me. So it was fun, but it also felt incredibly slight. And I, I think a show like this, you should assume your audience has seen Breaking Bad, if only because you're Sundance and you're you're airing episodes all the time. Sundance is on like a constant Breaking Bad loop. And so I think they should have assumed there was more knowledge from their audience and really had a deep dive into some of these different elements. They start talking about um, Walt's culpability with, with Jane's death and and what that you know how they decided on that specific method of her death and and that was getting interesting and then they went on to something else and i really wanted them to focus on it and they never really did yeah uh i'm also you know, like the lineup they have is interesting you know like i i'm curious to watch the game of thrones one i think most of all but i don't think i need to see the dexter one i'm actually not that curious about the parks and rec one surprisingly even though i do like parks and rec a lot Mostly I just want a justified one, which I don't think is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that would be great, but no. And uh, they're doing New Girl as well, right? I think so. it sounds like they're doing about six. They're, they're, it's a good mix of drama and comedy. I think those are different, uh, very different probably writer's room experiences. And um, I don't know. I, I just – I'll still keep watching, but I, I was a little – maybe I had my hopes too high because uh, this could be like the perfect Kate show, you know? Absolutely. And uh, it is unfortunately it didn't quite win, win me over. Um, so this week, what wins your your week in reality? I'll give it to Hollywood Game Night since we're not going to get to do that more than once, apparently. Well, there's there's six episodes. There's three more weeks of Hollywood Game Night. I'm going to keep watching. All right, good. And uh, I will give it to Hollywood Game Night too, even though I do still love. So you think you can dance? Those were, that was the only real competition for me this week. But um, I think. Uh, yeah, I I went back and I was watching old episodes of Hollywood Game Night. The, like by the end of the first episode, I wasn't quite hooked. By like halfway through the second episode that I had seen, I was in. I'm in for the rest of the season. So you know, I'm not. It, it knocked. So you think you can dance off its perch for for a week, and we'll see what happens next week. All right. So let's take a break and come back with the dramas. This is the best shake I've ever had in my life. That is the best steak you will ever have in your life. As much as I appreciate for once not having to eat my lunch from a hot dog stand, what are we doing here? Can't a man just take out another man in the middle of the day for some steak and some wine and some cheesecake that's going to knock your socks off? Uh, some men could, but I think you and I both know that you are not one of those men. True that. Mm. Hey, Lewis, mm. how's the steak? Heaven. How about you? Best steak you ever had? Uh, best steak I will ever have. <laughs> you thought him well. What are you guys, brothers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Lewis here's got a lovely sister, Esther, two wonderful parents. Who the hell are you? I am Mike Ross. Lewis and I work together. I wanted him to know who he was working for. Oh. And I would like you to know who's working for you. Because Mike here, he's the best steak you'll ever have. You want to know what you're working for? Tina, Gina, Adrian. They've been here 50 years between them. They are my family. That's what you're working for. I, I understand. I do not understand. Eminent domain. Shit. This week in drama, we have Nine for Nine, No Limits, Make Kate Watch Suits, I Want You to Want Me, True Blood, The Funeral, The Newsroom, Willie Pete, The Bridge, Rio, and The Killing, Six Minutes. Um, I'll kick things off with the the shows that I watched that you were not able to. First, uh, Nine for Nine. This is the 
the highlight of the season so far for me, No Limits, is a fascinating look into to uh, free diving and this tragedy of this this free diver who died and just the the ridiculous preventability of it as well. I thought I thought the, the film was very well put together, or the the episode I guess was very well structured and it was incredibly compelling and. It's a very straightforward talking heads kind of documentary. You know, it was narrated by Moore Tierney, but the the subject matter really grabbed me. Um, and the I would say probably so far, I did catch up with Venus Versus. I would say No Limits, Pat XO, and then uh, that then Venus Versus, and then Let Them Wear Towels. It would be how I would order them. Um, if you have, if you get the chance, this is the first one where I feel like pulling people and sitting them down and making them watch. I rewatched Pat XO uh, as well, which is the Pat Summit episode, and really enjoyed, really enjoyed watching that one again with some people who hadn't seen it yet. But this one really grabbed me in a way that the other ones didn't, and perhaps it's just because of the tragic nature of the story. But, but yeah, well done. Well done, at nine for nine. Um, also, make Kate watch Suits. This is the second episode of the season, and maybe it wasn't the best place to jump in, but Suits left me a little cold, and um, I don't know that I care to jump back in. Um, I, I don't think it's bad. I think it, I really like the cast. Actually, they have a crazy good cast um, right now. Gary Cole is a recurring villain. Uh, it sounds like, or antagonist for our our main leads. Uh, half of the main lead main duo works for me half doesn't and i'll leave that to the listeners imaginations but just because a show has a bunch of movie quotes in it or the characters who speak in in quotes does not mean that it's going to work for me and a big part of that uh, maybe again maybe it's just because it's the only episode i've seen so maybe i wasn't jumping in at the right point or maybe because i don't have i don't care if these two guys get back together in their partnership, I felt bad for, for lit at the end. And I understand he's apparently a negative figure on the show, but I thought I was really way more interested in seeing a season where you have the duo broken up as opposed to, it sounds like two or three episodes where that's the case. And, um, I was way more interested in that realm of storytelling. It doesn't help that I'm watching this going, so this is a quippier version of The Good Wife. I would rather be watching The Good Wife. And when you constantly have people speaking in movie quotes, it's one thing if they're constantly speaking in movie quotes. It's another if they feel the need to say, oh, that's the movie you were quoting. Yes, that's the movie you were quoting. I mean, come on. When when real people speak in, like, Simpson quotes or Buffy quotes, they don't need... The reason you do that is because the person you are speaking to gets the reference and you don't have to underline it. There's a lot of that on the newsroom this week, by the way. Yes, there is. And we will get there. <laughs> but uh, there's been a lot of that this season on the newsroom. But uh, anyway, so so I, I'm sure people would be disappointed. I, I thought it was fine. I like, you know, again, it's wonderful to have Gina Torres on my television and to see some of our Game of Thrones alumni as well. Michelle Fairley, of course, in this episode. But um, nope, it did not bowl me over as I was hoping maybe it would. Uh, please feel free, theteleverse at gmail.com. Let me know how wrong I am. But while you're doing that, Simon, True Blood, The Funeral. Oh, God. HBO was not good this week. Um, yeah, True Blood was terrible. Actually, probably the worst episode of the season. Just so slow. 
which is the one thing True Blood is not allowed to be ever. I think we can agree on that. True Blood should not be boring. No. You know, this was just, it was a pure reaction episode to what happened last week, which I get, but it really felt like they could have done it all in five minutes. And instead they took 55 minutes, which was just painful. Again, just so you know how annoyed I was with it. Slow. <laughs> Too slow. Do you get the message? I'm that's what watching. Sure. Tr- that's yeah. what watching True Blood. True Blood was actually worse than the newsroom, which was shocking to me because the newsroom was also bad. Uh, in <laughs> except the newsroom was bad in ways that make me want to stop watching it because I'm. I used to get something out of getting annoyed with it, and this week, uh, I just I'm just annoyed with it in ways that bore me also. So yeah, it wasn't. A, wasn't a good week for this stuff. I mean, the whole attempted bus mutiny thing was silly. The treatment of Occupy Wall Street is silly. The, I guess the whole Saren plot is probably the most interesting, but still, they're they're not doing anything that compelling with it. Uh, Maggie is right back to being an idiot this week, which was highly annoying. Well, that's her, you know, comfort zone. Yeah, um, and everyone is just you know it it's the standard position for the newsroom i guess but everyone is just way too interested in will's personal life and it's gotten really 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 tiresome uh the bits that involve don and sloan are you know reasonably quippy and fun in ways that aren't annoying and you know also relatively drama free which was nice but i just you just know they're going somewhere annoying with that and they just haven't gotten there yet so yeah it's not looking good for me and and hate watching the newsroom yeah, when when you can't even enjoy a, a good hate watch, that's a sign that maybe a show needs to, you know, tip in another direction. Um, Step it down, the newsroom. <laughs> the the thing with uh, with Olivia Munn, and I forgot to mention it last week, I loved the whole two rings means they saw your name and then hung up, hung up on you. Uh, no rings means the phone is off and six rings means they just didn't get to it in time. Uh, and I immediately, I loved Olivia Munns. I need to reevaluate my entire life now. She has a, seems to have a felicity with the Sorkin dialogue and, and making it her own in a way that even though this is a, did, did cast, you mean facility? No, felicity. It's a word. Okay. Ease, comfortability, talent. It's, it's, I, it's, I believe you. Word a day dictionary. Look it up. It's a good All word. Right. And she has she has a felicity with his dialogue that the rest of this cast doesn't seem to have, um, which is, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not fabulous actors. It just means that some people are better at playing Aaron Sorkin than others. Um, so yeah, I will see. So just skip this episode and come back next week. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to watch this one. Okay, um, I did watch though the bridge and Rio. And it looks like at the, I think maybe just this was a fault of having seen the season long trailer at the, at the end of the pilot, but we finally get to the storyline I'm way more interested in, which is that unfortunate uh, ending with the poor girl stuck, or woman, I should say, trapped in the middle of the desert with a camera and she's going to slowly die. So. Yeah, uh, well, they start to finally tie together some of the disparate, well, finally, it's only been three episodes, patience people, including me, <laughs> but uh, they, they're sort of sort of starting to tie together, for instance, the, the widowed character uh, is sort of now part of the ensemble. I think the part of the episode that you and I both probably arched our eyebrows at was definitely uh, Marco and his little tryst at the end. Ugh. 
which we were, I'm sure we were both like, no, don't do it, man. Come uh, on. But, uh, I, I don't know. Like, we, we haven't seen that much of his home life. From what we've seen, it didn't feel substantiated. Doesn't mean it won't be later. But not the character choice I was hoping for. No, certainly not. When they have the, there's ups and downs. If that's downs. Yeah. That's downs for them. <laughs> Because we have yeah. not seen Downs. So it seemed to come out of nowhere. And that's, you know, that's fine. We don't really know the character that well. So, And obviously the wife was concerned with him having a, a pretty female partner. So that tells me there's been infidelity yes. issues in the past. And, you know, that, 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 that tells us something. But if this, if we were supposed to have any sense that th- they were on the outs or that, you know, he wasn't in the relationship right now, we didn't see that and so now even though he's you know Damien Bashir Damien Bashir he's a really likable character very uh very charming and uh engaging especially when placed next to our other lead there um I don't trust him and I don't like him because it seems like he's just cheating on his pregnant wife for no reason um, as if a reason really makes it better, but you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a little bit disappointing. Uh, other, although frankly, I, I like how everyone is like. It was like, oh, you have you have a pretty partner. I really liked, by the way, that scene with his son. Oh her. yeah, that was so wonderfully awkward. Uh, maybe slightly <laughs> overplayed, but I was okay with it. I, if I were in, in his position, I I would just say, have you met her? You've seen her, but have you talked to her? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that would be a pretty easily diffused situation. But uh, I did really like all the scenes with Matthew Lillard and Emily Rios. I like their little corner of the show. Yeah. I feel like the like the, the the sort of more casual stuff is working for me better than the master plot stuff. I will say though that I feel like what they're doing, and maybe I'm I'm trying to play way too many moves ahead, but I feel like where they're going with the whole infidelity aspect is just trying to add shading for Catalina Sandina Marino's eventual horrible death, which I feel <laughs> like is probably yeah. going to happen in about six episodes. Which is uh, very unfortunate. Yes, I I would not be surprised. Yeah, I agree. I I'm I'm enjoying the 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 Matthew Lillard, Emily Rios uh, corner of the show much more than the other stuff, and I kind of would rather the show was about them right now. Uh, as much as I do uh, very much enjoy uh, Demi Bashir on the show, I'm I'm still not there. With our lead, and I know that you are, are really enjoying Ted Levine, Ted Levine's character, but I'm not connected to him either. So I, I just, I really, I'm way more lukewarm on the show than I expected to be at this point. So we'll see. Well, we'll see. I, I, I'm still, I'm still finding it promising enough to keep going, uh, and, and it's certainly like I'm never bored watching it, like I am with certain other things. And yeah. I, I think in general, the quality of of the of the writing, especially the dialogue, is quite high. It's just, it's the the micro is good. The macro is is taking some time to come together, uh, and but, you know, we neither one of us cares about Jono, or is that just me? Uh, I I get a kick out of watching Jono somehow, even though like I, I don't care that much about his character, but I'm I did enjoy the interrogation scenes. I, I have to say. Okay, we'll see where that goes. Um, yeah, again, that's another one where I just want them to fast forward to why that's happening. Um, I'm, yeah, not, I'm not being patient enough with it. Same thing with the with the widow. Um, but let's move on to our final show, The Killing, Six Minutes. I did watch this one at your request. And uh, why was this the episode for me to watch? Uh, well, it didn't have any of the stuff that you and many other people very reasonably complain about with The Killing. There's no murder mystery of any kind to speak of. There's a, a very tiny amount of mystery in this episode that really doesn't end up being important at all. 
I think it's probably the best episode The Killing is ever going to produce because <laughs> uh, it takes the stuff that the show is, uh, you know, it takes the show's best qualities and it puts them in a room or a couple of rooms for 50 minutes and lets it ride. And so that way, you know, we, we get maximum, it's just Lyndon and Holder and in this case, Peter Sarsgaard, who is awesome, uh, just in a room duking it out and i and i have to say that as much as you know people give venus a hard time and rightfully so because you know she's had she's made some unsavory statements in the past uh she did write this episode and i, I think she did a great job and um just the in terms of the i guess the reason i, I wanted you to see this one is because it feels like it's a demonstration of what the show could do if it were to realign its priorities a little bit because the actors are fantastic and the writing is sometimes very very good and the sense of atmosphere and foreboding is palpable. And I, I don't know. I, I was on the edge of my seat for a lot of this. Parts of it worked really well for me. I think the the whole last sequence from the walk to the end was riveting. Very powerful. The performance from Sarsgaard as he's not able to walk down the, the last mm-hmm. the last Until stretch. he is, thanks to. Well, yeah, that... Yeah, um, but oh, you, you didn't like that. I mean, obviously, it got me. It's supposed to get you. You're supposed to get choked up. Well done. You've played to a very straightforward and base emotion. Yay! Um, <laughs> but uh, I, but there were a couple of different points in the episode where I was thinking of other episodes that I liked more, that I had more investment in, and it, obviously, a big part of that's going to be just because I haven't been watching this season, so I, I'm not invested in these characters. But there's no denying the power of the, of that performance towards the, uh, is in the the last you know especially the last chunk of of the episode. However, the 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 last the more recent time when I saw someone interviewing somebody on death row, which was Southland, was more compelling to me. And uh, though of course this had the extra shading of the person being innocent of the crime that they're in there for, that that that, that the 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 uh, police officer had put them in there for. Uh, I still preferred the Southland episode, and um, and then the the previous time we saw the person not being allowed to see their child who had come to visit them worked way better for me the first time that I saw it this year, which was on The Good Wife. So when when we see um, them, you know, just like look out the window, we'll be there, and you'll at least get to see them if not talk to. Them. I was just immediately thinking of The Good Wife, and that would held held more sway with me because. If, you know, probably just because I actually have an investment in Lamont Bishop and his son's relationship that I didn't necessarily have here. Though that scene in the bathroom with Kinnaman was fantastic and the kid was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, the pieces of it, you know, worked really well for me. But just the whole and just the horror of that last shot and the Aaron Douglas and the rest of the the the. I guess wardens are the people who have to, you know, participate in the mm-hmm. execution as well as Lyndon being unable to say anything while, yeah. you know, the, for the six minutes, I think we're supposed to assume was horrifying, truly, truly horrifying. Um, but earlier in the episode when it, it felt very contrived that he's like, I'm going to fight you on this until the last moment when I'm going to conveniently agree to see my son just in time to not be allowed to see my son because the warden's going to be a dick for very little to no reason. I mean, come on. Oh, he has reasons, but, uh, yeah, yeah, well, it, it, yeah but I don't know them cause I haven't been watching. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I was okay with him waffling on the idea and then getting it and, and then, you know, 
capitulating at the wrong time because the whole point of the character is that every single possible decision he's ever made has been the incorrect one. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, and I think they they maybe overplayed that card with him. I mean, they just they made him such a bastard in every sense, except for the case of killing his wife, to mm-hmm. probably a, a, a ridiculous extent. But I was okay with it because Sarsgaard just nailed it. And I also, I, I guess my other favorite scene that maybe lost something for you because you didn't see what happened last week, but I really did love the scene with uh, Lyndon and Holder outside when she, she, when he finally cracks her up by saying, I'm not, not going to try to kiss you again. It's, that's <laughs> over. It's like, like, you missed it. You yeah, missed the train. You, you, you too blew late. it. You <laughs> blew it. I just, yeah. God, I love Kinnaman so much on this show. And I just, I feel like as much as the show did a reset this season, I think made some improvements from from. From all indications, I think it needs to do an even harder reset and just really scale it back to just those two characters kicking ass. Like, I would actually prefer a non-serialized The Killing. Like, I wanted, mm-hmm. I would love to see an episodic show with them with my, with only very light serialization with those characters because that, to me, is what that char- those characters are built for. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I'm watching this episode going, ah, Marianos is doing a great job of portraying obsession. I don't know why she's obsessed. I don't think I care why she's obsessed, but I can tell that she's doing a really good job of being obsessed. And then when she uh, freaks out and then leaves and throws a fit, because I don't have that investment, and I I understand listeners, gentle gentle listeners who uh, watch the killing and are yelling at me right now, I understand that I'm wrong, that I, I, you know... This is only viewing as one episode. I'm not invested. I still feel I have a, a a valid opinion from that perspective. So when she when that scene outside was lovely, but her flying off the handle, you know, it was like, wait, how how much has really changed here that you're gonna fly off the handle in that way? Yeah, which well, and you know, I I like that uh, that Holder has enough perspective to find a way to get back and that's why they're good partners and i yeah. basically any scene they're together is pretty much dynamite and yeah it's really too bad that the show does get bogged down in, in some other bullshit which i'm almost positive i know 99 percent of how the finale is going to happen and mm-hmm. i'm not excited about it uh there's going to be one last twist and i'm almost positive i and everyone else knows what it is <laughs> but i can't take away the fact that i thought this 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 particular episode was just incredibly well executed and and again just the directing and the, the caliber of the direct of the directing and acting on the show is so good and i wish the rest of the show were nearly as good as often yeah i'm sure that i'm sure that sequences of this episode will be in my mind at the end of the year when i'm thinking on the most memorable television that i've seen so i'm glad i watched it just as a whole it didn't work for me as well as it clearly as it clearly did for you but yeah there's no there's no question they have a very talented group of people that maybe they should ex- utilize a little better. So what's your what wins your week in drama? Uh, I'll give it to The Killing uh, as much as I... And then uh, runner-up to The Bridge, which I am still enjoying, even though it it definitely isn't living up to our probably too high expectations quite yet. But, you know, it's still early days. I'm going to give it to 9 for 9. And, uh, yeah, I'll just, 9 for 9 wins this week. I was completely engaged in that. And... Uh, Yes, I look forward to when you have the opportunity to catch up with nine with nine for nine once it becomes available in Canada. 
Um, but let's hit a few show notes here before our expert witness segment. Our intro and outro music is Sweet Petite by The Bicycles. You can find a post up at soundonsite.org for this episode where you can leave us comments and let us know, uh, let me know how wrong I am for not appreciating this episode of The Killing like I should. Um, let us know, you know, what you think of the week's TV and, uh, and, and what, what you think of, of Top Chef Master's new twists and all of that. Of course, you can also find us in iTunes. We have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We would love any, any feedback we can get from you there. iTunes ratings and reviews do really help the show and help other people find us. We also are on Facebook. You can like us there and follow all of the various TV coverage happening at Sound On Sight TV, as well as vote in the Make Kate Watch Stuff poll, which uh, there was a strong sh- showing for Suits, but also a pretty strong showing for a few other shows. Uh, series this week so I, I will make sure I get that one up a little earlier this week Let, give you guys more time to vote and of course you can also reach us by email theteleverse at gmail.com and on twitter I'm at the Televerse. you are at sucker howl so Simon what's our question of the week well I will ask people to listen to our expert witness segment assuming you've watched Breaking Bad because there be spoilers there be um, spoilers yes our, uh, which you want come on and uh, so, you know, listen to the segment and get back to us on what sort of experts, expert witnesses you would like to hear from and about what, because it's a new segment. And or if you just hated the segment, you can just tell us that, too, because then we'll yeah. stop doing them. <laughs> yeah. Great question. Let us know what you think. Um, and now we'll take a break and come back with Mendeleev, our expert witness in chemistry. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen and oxygen and nitrogen and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, and boron, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. There's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercury and molybdenum and magnesium, dysprosium and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum and plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium and tantalum, technetium, titanium, tellurium and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, berkelium, and also mendelevium, einsteinium, nobelium, and argon, kryptonium, and radon, xenon, zinc, and rhodium, and chlorine, carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And we figured the 100th episode was as good a time as any to introduce a new segment. So this is our first installment of what will hopefully be a recurring segment called Expert Witness. And for these segments, we're going to bring in people with particular expertise in one area or another to discuss how their their area of expertise is portrayed on television, any specific shows or performances, um, and and really what it's like to to watch people or or jobs that are similar portrayed on television. And this week, to kick things off, we have a chemist joining us to talk Breaking Bad and any other shows that really come up. Welcome to the show. You've decided you would like a I've, nom de guerre. I've decided, yes, in light of uh, the Heisenberg character, that I would uh, use a nom de guerre for this and that I will be referred to as 
Mendeleev uh, for the sake of uh, an anonymity. <laughs> okay. Because, um, of course, no, Mendeleev is a much better name, nom de guerre, for a, a chemist than Heisenberg, who was, of course, a physicist. Interesting. <laughs> See, these, these are the things we don't necessarily think of when, when looking at Breaking Bad. What is your experience in the field? I have a PhD in inorganic chemistry that I obtained a number of years ago from a different uh, prominent California school other than uh, Caltech, uh, more to the north, shall we say. Uh, and um, I've worked uh, in industry for about 29 years, doing a variety of different uh, different roles. So you know what you're talking about. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I probably know what I'm talking about. I'm not an organic chemist, so I can't explain the intricacies of the synthesis of organic compounds necessarily. But, um, yeah, I... Generally speaking, I know what I'm talking about, I think. Yes. <laughs> Great. Well, let's jump in with Breaking Bad. Like, how did you discover the show, and what was your reaction to first seeing it? Oh, man. Um, well, I've watched the show, I think, from fairly early on. Uh, so I can't exactly re recall the discovering it. Of course, I fell in love with it immediately. Of course, every um, uh, scientist, or at least every chemist, right, uh, is probably of my age, which is essentially the same as the character is, uh, loves the show, right, loves the show. And so it's been interesting to watch the psychological side of the character development. Okay. Why do all chem is it just that finally there's a chemist on TV, not just well? Yeah, and there is that. I mean, there, I suppose there is that. We haven't seen many of uh, our kind portrayed right in a powerful <laughs> role, right? Albeit somewhat a negative, powerful role on television. Somewhat. Well, no, it's just you know, it's it's fascinating, right? It's fascinating to watch the the character development. Do you know any any chemists who harbor the kinds of of demons that Walt carries around? Oh, I know chemists that harbor. Har harbor demons yes okay not that they play themselves out into kind of extreme behavior right but there's a lot of chemists who uh, harbor various degrees of angst over uh, where they're at in their careers and frustrations and things like this that are very similar to uh, how Walt is portrayed in the show actually yeah that's something I remember you talking about uh, back earlier when I found out you were watching the show that <laughs> you could absolutely recognize Walt as somebody you oh, knew, not maybe a specific person, but a type. Yeah, a, a certainly a personality type. This kind of compulsive personality that Walt is 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 not uncommon at all in the sciences, right? You know, people who have sort of a grand vision of themselves and then uh, maybe realize that or fail to realize that, and that creates compulsions in them. Yeah, that's common. Yeah. Well, and have you ever seen various you know, episodes of of Breaking Bad or even just news stories where? You find out uh, scientists or or even you know high school teachers have been cooking meth or these other well, things. You're like, well, yeah, of course you can do that. It's just chemistry. Well, the chemistry of doing that is actually not very complicated, right? So people with a real background in this don't find making these things that hard. And there's certainly been many real cases of people doing, you know, trained people doing designer drugs and things like that. So that, yeah, that's that's common. Have I personally come across that? No, not in my direct circle. Okay, <laughs> but certainly, uh, you know, there've been. Yeah, there's certainly many cases with that going on. Fair enough. Well, and I've I, I've read Vince Gilligan and other people working on the show talking about how they've had to make slight alterations to the on-screen chemistry being depicted so that people like 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 they get just enough information to get the idea, but not enough to actually you know buy a trailer and start actually doing it start themselves. doing this. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, I haven't researched the actual chemistry 
required to do this. Um, so I can't speak to the absolute accuracy of that. But I'm sure, you know, I don't think any reasonable person would put on a show and give you a detailed depiction of how to, you know, how to make methamphetamine. That would not be very ethical, right? <laughs> well, there was something. There. That's part of why we see that shift in the, the meth creation process on the show where they go they go from making just really good really pure math to making the blue math because some i believe it was like the dea or somebody called up vince gilligan and said would you please stop showing people how to make math on your show it's a little too accurate <laughs> they've seen a spike in the purchase of trailers and things yeah like this, and the, yeah. you know uh, the flash strips on matches and uh, all of yeah. that <laughs> yeah 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 no no that's that's probably true but you know i think the general depiction of how you you would do this right if you were going to do this is actually fairly accurate right the kind of equipment that is used the kind of scale uh, that it's done at things like that is fairly accurate well, and the, the depiction of the science on the show, and, and really Walt as a scientist, is something that, that I know other scientists that I also know have also commented on. It's because he's very methodical, he's very accurate, he's very precise, he's, you know, he, he very much cares. Even earlier on, before he gets the, to the whole drug kingpin, kingpin stage, he very much cares about the precision of it just as a scientist, as opposed to as someone trying to make a bunch of drugs for money. Well, yeah, so he's very uh, careful about that, but almost to a point of extreme, right? So that mm. he begins to identify with his ability to be better than anybody else and to be the perfect doer of this and this kind of thing. So that kind of compulsive uh, behavior, you know, goes beyond just the technical side into his psychology. And so to me, that's what's, what's interesting because certainly, you know, his desire now he can finally be the best at something, right? You know, mm. even if it's a negative thing is something that, you know, is uh, – it's not uncommon, right, to see that kind of compulsive behavior in uh, deeply technical people. Yeah. Well, it's something we were talking about earlier as well, that we were trying to remember, does he actually have a PhD? Very, and I'm uh, seeing online in some places that remark that he does, but I don't remember specifically from the show. And certain things, even if they've said he does on the show, they haven't really necessarily followed that through in how they've portrayed him no it's it wouldn't be consistent so the the wikipedia page for example says that he has a phd from caltech right but they never refer to him as a doctor in the show and with walt's character you would expect he would insist right that everybody call him doctor you know uh if he was indeed a phd so absolutely uh, i think it's yeah. more logical that actually he got a master's degree and it, he left uh caltech to go do the venture company um probably because he decided he didn't need a PhD because he was too smart for that. That would be, you know, kind of mm -hmm. in line with his character. Or the faculty had had enough of him and kicked him out, right? So in in chemistry, especially at a large school, a place like Caltech, uh, you, people get master's degree as a way out of town, right? I mean, it's not something that they do stepwise. You, you enter uh, into a PhD program, and if you leave with a master's, it's kind of like flunking out, okay? And so it would be like Walt to have not succeeded, essentially, getting that PhD and then go to the next venture and, again, fall short, right? And this would create the motivation for him to finally now he has an opportunity to really, you know, finish, right? So this would create this uh, underlying drive of him to, you know, be the kingpin of this this venture for him. So, so I, I'm saying he doesn't have a PhD. Yeah, that idea that he, yeah, who, and if that, even if that's been stated on the show, we, we're not going yeah. with it. Mendeleev right. says, says no, right? Have a PhD. PhD, that's right. I'm throwing down on Heisenberg. Go. That's right. But uh, I, that makes sense to me because it, it it makes sense to me that as a character, Walt would just have a total disdain for academia. You know, his his belief in the science. There's almost a purity 
to what he believes, which obviously extends to the way he makes meth. And I mean, you can call it purity or you can just call it terrible people skills. <laughs> but this idea, right, that he's smarter than everybody else, even if that's not true, right, even if the facts are not really Walt, you know, is often seen in a lot of scientists, especially ones who have grand visions for their own success but fail to reach it, right? Or by essentially their own limitations often, right? So like Walt would have limitations. That's why he's ends up being a high school teacher, right? With a, you know a PhD from Caltech teaching high school. That's you know that's kind of far down the the career track, right? You know, <laughs> so uh, that's why I think like likely not likely he fell short, uh, and likely although he's good enough to be a kingpin of chemists among the drug dealers and against the real chemists, maybe not Walt. <laughs> Maybe well, not quite so good. And Walt isn't the only chemist that we've seen on Breaking Bad. There's also, of course, Gale. That's right. That's right. And so Gale, actually, right, that would be an interesting contrast, wouldn't it? Because Gale actually did get his degree, right? So, And he was hooked up and paid for his degree by uh, – yeah. Great. Yeah, so he so he hooks him up, identifies him, trains him up to be his chief guy, right? And so it would really be an interesting twist, right, that actually the one guy uh, was the Ph.D. and then Walt comes in and he can be smarter than that guy, right? So, yeah, it would be in line with the character. Well, and I think when you say that Walt's not, not necessarily the greatest chemist ever, I, I think the show kind of bears that out in the sense that, you know, Jesse has absolutely no background in chemistry besides flunking Walt's class. Yeah, and yeah. just through observation and just you know, basic intelligence, he's able to replicate more or less exactly after a few seasons what Walt's been doing. Yeah, so he basically is trained by Walt to make the one specific thing after Walt figures out the process necessary to achieve the camp to achieve the product. So so he's kind of the classic um you know, lab technician or or uh, student of Walt, you know, so the that thing. So it's one thing to know how to follow the recipe. It's another thing to develop it in the first place, right? But there's a lot of people who are very good at actually uh, playing that Jesse kind of role. So, so yeah, it, again, it's like he's done the one thing, right? It, you would think for Walt, right, he'd be starting to figure out which new drugs to make or whatever else, right, mm -hmm. you know, to expand his empire. But well, and obviously there are a lot of different drugs that are connected chemically with meth. There's a whole world of drugs that he could expand into. Obviously, I don't think he will. We only have eight episodes left. No. But <laughs> if he doesn't end up dead or arrested, maybe that's in Walt's future. Yeah, maybe that's part of what Walt wants you know, for himself ultimately, right? Although it, it's interesting in in the last uh, season, right, as he says it's really about empire for him, right? So it's, it's this fulfillment of his ego really that this is about right so so i th yeah so i think it, it's it's interesting the psychological aspects of walt are you know again are not uncommon among a lot of high technical people watching the show well the, i did want to go back to to gail quickly and and ask if you recognize that type in the world of scientists or chemists as well or if he was maybe less typical well no i mean so gail is less in a sense less um motivated right in some ways than Walt is he's less of a of an ego he's more willing that's why he's he was a better choice for the the chemist because he's going to be subservient right and, and just play that role right so I again I I, I didn't find him as a an unnatural character at all in any way technically right that he would just decide it was okay to go ahead and, and do these terrible things because it's you know he can justify that right well and because he's just in the lab all the time he's completely by himself in this gorgeous beautiful lab exactly right he's got his space dream. and he and he's got his own little lab and he's all fulfilled and great and it, it life's good right he yeah. doesn't need he doesn't need to be to have the acclaim whereas walt for walt constantly.
has to have the attention and the, and all that. So yeah, so that's the contrast in the personalities. And of course, that contrast certainly exists in reality, right? We have guys who are really, you know, it would be kind of the classic thing, right? The guy who actually did all the work, right? Because he mm-hmm. built the whole lab, did everything else, and then the other guy comes in and gets all the credit, right? And so there's been cases of that kind of thing going on. And, and kills you. And then kill. well, of course, because you have to kill him. Viola gets the lab tech to kill you. Well, no, that's that's right. So the guys who develop all of the thing, you know, then the guy who wants all the acclaim has to get rid of the other one, right? And so, you know, in, in the real, you know, academic uh, world of how these things happen, it's, it's pretty brutal. So, yeah, you know, they don't actually kill each other, but they te- they academically, you know, kill each other and do things to do that. So, yeah. So, yeah, it wouldn't, it's not uncommon. Yeah. Interesting. As a, as a chemist, was it satisfying for you to see certain um, tropes, I guess, of, of crime television turn on their head? For example, the oh-so-memorable body with the acid in the tub just destroying Oh, destroying, the yes, to say, oh, yes, and do not, do not, do not use hydrofluoric fork acid it's extraordinarily dangerous okay extraordinarily dangerous to do those things that they're doing so never do that but yes it, it would actually eat right through the tub if very quickly actually and i just read that someone was watching breaking bad and got the idea to melt but apparently they didn't finish the freaking episode <laughs> yeah, so yeah. this just happened like people are not paying enough attention when they watch television. you you would be amazed me so like a bucket of hydrofluoric acid like that, it absolutely will kill you. Okay. Well, but you know. we, we see bodies disposed of in this method in tubs all the time on crime television. Well, was it satisfying to actually see, see that say go the, through? Let's um, fall through happen? and, oh. Well, I don't know if I'd call it satisfying, right? I don't think I'd go that far, but I mean, it is a bit more realistic in some of these portrayals than you often see. That a lot of the the chemists on television, like all these CSI shows and things like that, you know, the person will run in with this sample and then they'll, you know, they'll they'll wave their hands in front of the instrument and out come the results, right? You know, in like five minutes. And this, of course, has created all kinds of uh, chaos, right, in the real world because now people actually expect that that's what happens, right? You know, and the reality is those analyses take a long time and are very expensive and things like that. So yeah, it was, it's, it's been, yes, it's, they've been fairly realistic in some of that stuff. Although I don't, I don't know. I, I think Walt wouldn't have been satisfied with setting up the uh, meth lab in people's houses and moving it around. It's just the, the scale of the production just would not have been big enough, right? The factory that they had before would, you know, dwarf the things they're doing now in terms of the total pounds they could generate. So it's kind of like it's a clever idea, but I don't know if it would really, you know, meet Walt's standards of uh, where he wanted to take his business, right? Uh, to get back to the idea of realism, one of the bits of science that I've always just sort of taken as, I guess it's cool enough that I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's actually in uh, the first season in the episode Crazy Handful of Nothing, which is, I believe, when he also shaves his head for mm. the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when he comes up with the idea. One of his first sort of Hail Mary escapes is when he comes up with the uh, little bit of chemical that he throws and makes a giant explosion with. Uh, so what was that about? Okay, so fulminated mercury is definitely uh, a significant explosive, although I would tend to think that the yield they're showing in the show in terms of sort of the power of the explosive is probably, it's probably not as high as that, right? So the, they tend to make these little amounts of things and cause massive explosions. And of course, there are things that'll do that, but I don't think fulminated mercury is quite that powerful of, a, of an explosive. I mean, that's been around forever, right? I think fulminated mercury was what they originally used to ignite the, the flintlocks and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a contact explosive, but I 
don't think that it'll quite have the the bang for the buck that they're generating the show. But you know, but it looks cool. It looks cool. It looks cool. It looks cool. Thermite really looks cool. You know, and so. Uh, do, <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, I've done that, you know. Of course, that's one of the things. All, really, all chemists you'll meet used to blow stuff up as kids. You know, it's a kind of a commonality, right? So we've all kind of made this ourselves in our little, little backyard labs and stuff to small scale or taken fireworks apart and done all that kind of stuff. So, But, yeah, I mean, so they're showing some of those things. So the, the basic science is accurate, but I think the, the sort of the impact of it or the ability to kind of trigger it immediately on demand the way Walt does, that's eh, a little... That's a little bit not true, I think. So if someone were to recreate that in a life-threatening situation, it may not play out it, the it, way they were hoping. Exactly right, exactly right. It really may not detonate quite on time exactly <laughs> with that impact, uh, the way that they do it on the show, right? Uh, so it's theater in, in that regard. I'll make a note of that. Yeah. <laughs> note to self. And don't, and don't play with these things you know, yourself, right? I mean, because there's also uh, plenty of people with missing fingers who are doing those kinds of things. You don't want to do that. Of course, it's not chemistry, but one of the, the science things I always think of, science things, wow, someone's a musician. One <laughs> of the science things I always think of uh, is the giant magnet and Jesse. Yeah. And, and, and sort of those approaches, they, they get, the writers get really creative in their, uh, in their use of these various found objects. Or I believe, like in season one, don't they make like a bomb or something out of an Etch-a-Sketch? Well, yeah, that's one of the ones that, uh, that, that was the thermite one, I think. Uh, you know, so it, it depends. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what thermite is because the, <laughs> the listeners don't need to know such things. But, yeah, I mean, if you, you know, yeah, if looking at what we're seeing here, I mean, if you mix the right ingredients together uh, for that, right, and they're finely ground, right, which is incredible, important for the mixing, you can easily make that stuff. It's very simple to do. And it's not difficult to light off either if you know what you're doing, right? <laughs> Note to self: Don't piss off Mendeleev. Don't piss off Mendeleev. Yeah, no, we, you know, we, you know, so, so doing that is is certainly, you know, feasible, right? If you know what you're doing. <laughs> Good to know. Well, and the other, the other element of unreality, actually, maybe not unreality. I'd love your thoughts on this. Is the availability of all of these items? So apparently, oh. Walt High School is the best equipped high school <sighs> in the world. Well, I don't know. I mean, so a lot of the stuff that he's using is not that uh, uncommon. Like when he kits out the, his little rolling meth factory, right? That's all very simple stuff, right? So if you, you know, have access to any lab glass supply thing, you could buy that stuff. Now, he's not going to buy these huge, you know, three-liter, three-neck flasks and so five-liter, three-neck flasks for his high school, probably. Mm -hmm. But he probably could buy it through the high school and then, you know, claim he's doing it to make reagents or something for his class or something kind of baloney like that. So he would have access to the places where he could do that. Interesting. Out of curiosity, before we move on to some other series discussion, not as an expert witness, but just as a viewer, I guess, what are you, what would be your predictions for the end game for the show? Oh, man. It's hard to say because they've been very good at uh, doing endings that uh, are very reasonable when you see them, but are hard to predict ahead of time, right? Uh, it's got to end end badly for Walt, right? Walt's got to go down in the <laughs> end. Um so exactly how that's going to go, there's got to be some kind of confrontation, right, between, uh, you know, Walt and his uh, brother-in-law, right? That's got to be part of the end game. 
Um, will Walt just go down in a, some kind of blaze of glory? He'll probably blow himself up, right? That would be sort of the, the appropriate thing, right? Is that I won't be taken alive, kind of the Walt version of white heat or something like mm-hmm. that, right? In some kind of immolation of his laboratory <laughs> or something like that. In uh, the biggest explosion ever. Exactly. Created. Yeah. Something like that, I think, you know, it would be, would be appropriate. Uh, the end game for, uh, Skylar, the end game for the kid and stuff like that is going to be more, uh, more interesting, right? Will she also, you know, end up in jail and prison or something? Skate, walk away from that. The thing is, the the, the sleazy lawyer is going to get away scot free. That's the thing. I think oh, we can yeah. all. He's going to get away scot free, and he'll probably end up with all the money. That would be my guess, right? He'll sell, and a spinoff. And a spinoff, even better. Yeah, cause that's right. That's They've been right. talking about that at TCA's. They yeah. want to do it. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think he skates, skates, and gets away, right? So it's kind of like the cockroach of the series, and they always survive. So. Yeah, so no no predictions on Walt, I, but on Saul. Saul is, is going to survive it all, right, in the end. I have a th- Maybe I the have only a theory, one. Though. I have a theory that Saul, that Saul actually is going to die, and the spinoff talk is all just a huge ruse. It could be. <laughs> it could be. I mean, so uh, they're very good at um, knowing where they're going but not letting you see it exactly, right? Mm-hmm. I really liked how they ended the the last little subseason, right, with the uh, the WW realization moment, you know, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really well done. The the final thing I'll say about uh, Breaking Bad is the the portrayals of everyone around Walt and his interaction with them when it comes to his work, I found really interesting, like the way that Hank, like his relationship with Hank ahead of time, where Hank clearly. They don't have a close relationship, and Hank doesn't necessarily respect Walt, though he thinks he's brilliant. He thinks he's genius, but he doesn't necessarily respect that part of his personality. Watching that develop over the years has been really interesting. Yeah. Watching, you know, Skyler and his relationship over the years has been really interesting, and just seeing that that progression of, oh, you're just a, a chemistry teacher. You're just a, you know, you have a Nobel thing on your on your wall, but you know, whatever. And, and comparing that, or even with Jesse and then comparing that with how he's progressed and well, I, I how think, that led him to where he's been. I, I think you're right. It, it, the thing that'll be interesting is, is Hank now realizing, unplaying this and realizing how he's been played this whole time by this guy who he's always thought was a bright guy, but kind of a schmuck right in the, in the real world of getting things done. So yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. And then thinking about the ending, I, I think it's probable, right? That this was what I would do. I would give Walt a choice of getting away, walking away, but never being Heisenberg again, or going down in, in a flaming glorious Heisenberg, and I think he'll take the Heisenberg route every time now. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Interesting. That'll be a choice. Okay, fair enough. Any other Breaking Bad thoughts, chemistry related or otherwise? No, I'm looking forward to the season to start. It's going to be sad when it's all done, but it's going to be just awesome. <laughs> the last shows, I think, it's going to be fantastic. Um, the, the other, while we have you, a couple other chemistry kind of related things. I always enjoy that. At least while Breaking Bad is on television, the portrayals you have of people who are are, are cooking meth are Walter White or the backwoods uh, of of uh, Kentucky in Justified. Justified, yeah. <laughs> or that, that Amy stuff. Schumer bit. I just enjoy that that contrast. Those that's pretty much the only chemistry you tend to see on on television. And then, do you have any thoughts? Because when I was looking back on well, Breaking you know- Bad, one of the things that I enjoyed was that the um, a lot of those scenes where we, we watch uh, Walt escape a situation 
through the power of chemistry, reminded me very much of something like MacGyver. Yeah, but this is much better, right? So okay. Ma MacGyver was just... You know, it was just ridiculous, right? I mean, you know, he's just... Putting... They make a bomb out of an Etch-A-Sketch. Yeah. That's ridiculous. No, not if you know what's in the Etch-A-Sketch, right? So, no, <laughs> you know, not if you know what's in there, right? So, it's no, it's not... And so, I, I, I always thought the MacGyver stuff was just, you know, it's hokey. It's like he's just pulling the, this stuff out of his butt, basically, you know? But okay. so, I think the stuff on Breaking Bad is, is better done, right? So, yeah. So, we're gonna, the chemists are all going to miss Walt when he's gone. You know, we don't, you know, we don't... Agree with his choices, right? But uh, we can relate to his character. Are there any others that come to mind? Oh, well, I mean, we all, you know, so I like, you know, the um, Ensis. I like Abby, of course, is, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a crazy lab person, right? You know, mm -hmm. and so that kind of person also sort of exists in that way where they create their own kind of space and have their own freedom to do the thing because they're really good at it. So mm -hmm. they can get away with being a little unorthodox and stuff because of their skill level like that. So that's kind of cool. Although most of those shows, you know, in terms of their portrayal of how they do that analytical chemistry thing are are just ridiculous. They're fun to watch because I just sit there and go, no, no, that's not what that machine does. No, that's not correct. You know, um, you know, but she's a fun character. Other than that, though, chemists on television is just an underrepresented, uh, underrepresented to genre, you know, genre, right? There's just not enough of us. So I think after Breaking Bad, they'll have to have some more, uh, you know, chemist shows on television, right? This one's been so successful. <laughs> Hold up. It's pronounced Ensis? Ensis? I don't know. Yeah. NCIS, yeah. Ensis. Ensis, yeah. This blows my mind. It's the most watched <laughs> show on TV, and I didn't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. No, See, and it's another very popular show with a prominent chemist on the show. See, I think this is a trend, right? They need to do more of this. They have more of these kinds of shows, right? I think that's hilarious, and I can see the uh, I can see the pitch meeting for that happening too. Breaking Bad chemist. And yeah, say this chemist, chemist. Right, so right? Clearly, we need a situation comedy with a chemist about right? a chemist, and he's a fish out of water chemist because he's been moved to a different lab. Wah, yeah, wah. that's right. Or a reality show about people in labs, right? That would be yeah. kind of. There fun. was better off Ted, but that didn't get very far. Oh, <laughs> oh you you would love better off Ted. Oh, You've really? Not seen that. I've not seen that. You no. would love that. Yes, we should. I should have had you watch that before we did this segment. Oh man, yeah. that's another chemistry show. Okay, well, there, good. There, yeah, yeah, it's we'll 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 do that at a later later time. Um, which is your reality show about scientists and or chemists? Well, I don't know. You know, so what would you have them do, right? I mean, I guess you could give them research topics or something like that. And there's all kinds in in a real like graduate student laboratory. There is unbelievable amounts of drama and chaos and stuff like that. People working all hours. You know, people sleeping with other people, all this crazy stuff going on. So, yeah, you could take a place like a, a major school like a Caltech or something and do a reality show around the chemistry labs there. Definitely do that, right? Well, speaking of... I mean, maybe I'd be the only one who'd watch it. That's probably true, right? You know. <laughs> well, but I was going to tie it into to, um, the Big Bang Theory. Of course, they're That's physicists, right. but every now and again we, we see some experiments. That's right. They show a few things in there, but mostly physicists like Sheldon really disdain experiments, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because they, yeah, they, they live in a world of their mind. Right, so he always gives his, his colleague a hard time because he's an experimentalist, you know, and that's you know a lesser species to Sheldon than a pure theoretical person. Now, is there the same between the the focuses or the, between the various specializations of scientists? Is there the same division and uh, inside jokes and all of that that we have in the various sections of an orchestra? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So we always ridicule each other, right? I mean, different ways of doing that. So, and all the different flavors of chemistry always think they're the best, right? So if the 
guys who are organic chemists who make things and do that kind of thing, and then the physical chemists who are the ones who make instruments and measure things and stuff. And so we go back and forth all the time. Well, and we all hate the engineers, of course. We hate the engineers. <laughs> well, it's... Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, and that's something I remember... To take it back to Breaking Bad, uh, that is one thing that I, I remember specifically with Walt, that the fact that he is is a, what, a radio radio well, well that's right so his supposedly he's a radiography person so he's not a synthetic organic chemist i mean he doesn't really have a training in making this so it's just that it's easy enough to do that he can just figure it out right but i mean so his background really isn't suited to uh doing the synthetic organic chemistry that they show in the show but it's easy enough that he just you know picks it up Interesting. Okay. So now... now so which is kind of why maybe Heisenberg makes sense, right? As a name? Yeah, because in some ways he's a bit of a physicist, right, from his training, so... Well, yeah, because you were ranting about that earlier. I was ranting about that earlier and saying it makes no sense, but then, in, you know, thinking about it, maybe perhaps it does have some tie-in. It felt a little more writerly. A little, than... a little right, I mean, maybe a little more right for Walt than for, for me, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, obviously, you went with Mendeleev, so... That's right. It's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Mendeleev. And uh, let's see, I feel like we should end with like a forced impromptu top five. Oh, of top, of what? I don't know. I was going to say uh, science on Synthetic television drugs? or film. <laughs> or, or, no, or no. <laughs> breaking Bad episodes. I don't know. What do you what do you think? Oh, man. What should we make him uh, top five for us, Simon? Uh, maybe top five holy shit moments. Okay. Top five holy shit moments on Breaking Bad, chemistry related or otherwise. Well, okay. So the the... The end of last season was definitely a holy shit moment, right? Okay. The realization, right, okay. that this this could be well. So that'd be one. Oh, man, let me see. Um, the 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 scene where he's you know uh, you know doing the the Jesus thing right at the end of the one season, right, where he's in um, the the basement, right, and his whole world is collapsing. I thought that like that. Oh, so, when he's laughing in the crawl space. Well, he's laughing in the crawl space. Yes, yes, okay. yes. That's another one. Um, uh, actually, for me, well, when they showed that uh, locker full of money, that was kind of a holy shit moment because that was a lot of money. <laughs> so I was looking at that going like, hmm, maybe Walt's got something. But anyway, uh, let's not go there. Um, let me see. Uh, I don't know. Those are a few of them. I mean, uh, generally, I, uh, well, the other one for me was actually the whole depiction of the, the Mexican gangs, right? And the, the what are they called? The Black Madonna and that whole thing. Which is the one scene where they showed them, you know, honoring that and i was kind of like oh holy shit because <laughs> i know that's actually quite accurate so that was kind of holy shit for me okay one um, more camp one more oh. I mean, uh, well, well well you know when he blows up the wheelchair gus yeah. when he gets gus that was a great yeah that was like oh holy okay, shit that pretty was good. good well thank you very much well uh we'll have to have a check uh, an update from you after the finale with your thoughts maybe we'll include that in our, in yeah. our roundup yeah put it together yeah but uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.